0: Welcome to Indian River News this week. Furnished by Harvey's. I'm Bob Goff. Maureen Kahn is the president of Blessing Health for a little while longer,
1: and she's my <laughs> guest today. Welcome. Thank you, Bob. It's good to be here. Well, I'm glad you
0: you made it here. And uh, again, just uh, just a few days left in your uh, in your tenure. What uh, it, it's got to be an emotional time.
1: You know it is, Bob. It's it's you know it's one of those bittersweet moments. You know, 22 years um, I've been here and. You know, I jokingly say when we first moved here, my kids thought it would be five years. It was a big change coming from Boston to Quincy, Illinois. And um, it's been 22 years that have been wonderful.
0: When you first started out in nursing school, did you ever imagine you would end up doing this someday?
1: No, I did not imagine this. And I would tell you, I had great mentors throughout my career that helped me um, see different skill sets I had, different capacities. And you know, when I came out of my nursing career, I ended up going into a leadership track because I saw that's what you needed to do if you wanted to make a change. Mm -hmm. And um, today that has kind of reversed because the people closest to the work have the ability to influence. You know, in in healthcare systems today, there's something that we call shared governance. And the people closest to the bedside, the people closest to the work that they do have the ability to influence change. They have the ability to influence process. When you think about Lean Six Sigma and everything we do, it's the people who do the work who make the change. And so it's not the leaders at the top who make the change they're the ones who enable the people to do this.
0: I mean, yeah, when you I mean cuz you know, if you're if you're not feeling well, something's wrong, you're in the hospital, I mean, it's not you that they're seeing. You are seeing the doctors, the nurses, the specialists, all the people who have to determine, hey, this is this is what's going to happen
1: here. Right. And so we've got to make sure they've got all the tools that they need to do their jobs the best way possible. And so that's what we end up doing every day so I mean I've got a great husband who's been a wonderful mentor and a friend and so now I'm gonna get to spend some time with them and good. you know I hope I still like him. you know we don't spend that much time with each other all the time and so now we're gonna get to spend more time together which I think is going to be good and um, you know I've had the opportunity to reflect somebody said so what's your legacy man, that's a really good question. And, you know, I thought about it and, you know, you remember Larry Swearingen and Mm -hmm. Brad Billings. And, you know, when I came to Quincy, one of the things that they always said to me is we want to keep care local. And so I felt like they passed that torch to me is to say, how do we keep care local, what the community needs? And so in working with the providers that we have here, that's what we've done. We've expanded the cardiac program. We have an EP program. We've worked on the oncology program and what do we need to bring new and different into the community? How do we work on the stroke program so that we can help people identify early? And how do we grow the specialty areas where we didn't have providers and get them into the community so that we can provide that care. You know, we didn't have robots today. I think we have more robots in surgery than, you know, we can count on one hand. And we've got providers who are so technologically advanced Mm -hmm. that people don't have to leave town for care. And that is something that I feel like we've done and we've grown our programs to educate a workforce of the future. So we have a nursing school that has expanded, we have a radiology school, a lab school, a respiratory therapy school, but it's the talented people that we have working there. It's not me, it's me empowering those people to do what they know how to do best.
0: You mentioned legacy and that was probably a question i was going to ask near the end but we can go Mm -hmm. ahead uh but also part of that is you you talk of i mean the the footprint that that blessing has had uh i mean not only at the corner of 9th 10th and broadway Mm -hmm. but you know going out west uh you know the deal we're working Mm -hmm. with hannibal i mean the whole the whole expansion there that was something that you and your board had to make a decision are we going to get a little bit bigger and still stay local or are we going to have some national company income and, and swoop, swoop in and get us? Right. So that was, I mean, that was a conscious decision that you guys made to say, let's, let's, let's plant our flag.
1: Correct. And, you know, and we still are remaining as an independent health system. You know, we have this relationship with BJC down mm-hmm. in um, St. Louis. But you know, every year when the board does their strategic planning, they ask and answer that question, do we need to find uh, a, a new partner to be our owner? And they have always you know, answered that question of, no, we're gonna stay independent. And how do we look at what are the reasons we would want to find a partner? What would they bring to the um, relationship? And we still today, we have a strong bond rating We're still able to access capital to do things. We're still relevant in the market. And, you know, geography is sometimes a blessing and sometimes it's a curse. And I think right now for us, it can be maybe more of a blessing of where we're seated.
0: You mentioned, uh, you know, BJC down in St. Louis and, or BJC down in St. Louis. And uh, yeah, I think when that first partnership announcement came up, a lot of people were like, oh, here it comes. They're swooping in, but that that has not happened.
1: No, I mean, what they've been able to do for us is to help us um, leverage our buying capacity. So when we're looking to get a CAT scan or an MRI or something like that, well, we go in with them when they're buying and when they have 17 hospitals or whatever the number Mm -hmm. is, well, if everybody's buying one, when you're buying 17, the price is very different than when you're buying one. Sure. And so we're able to get some really good discounts when we work together as a larger group. Um, but we also, our physicians, can learn from other physicians, whether it's down at WashU, what are some of the latest and greatest information, new technologies, new research, telling them um, how to treat new diseases. And so they learn from each other.
0: Along with uh, you know, the growth and, and, and success that, the hot, that Blessing Health has had, you also had to deal with the most trying healthcare situation of our generation in, in the COVID pandemic. What did, what did you learn from that? And is Blessing better off, worse off, or about the same for having to deal with that?
1: You know, that, the COVID pandemic was probably the, the hardest time in my healthcare career I ever worked. Um, you know, I was extremely proud of our staff. I I was shocked at the nation. You know, we all went through unbelievable surges of emotion where um, a disease became so political yeah. and it polarized. Our communities. It was just amazing. And staff got caught up in it. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden we started to doubt where our information came from and everybody began to doubt it. And where do we get our treatment from? And how do we, um, approach this illness? And I think it's going to leave a scar on us. I think people are going to question, if it happens again, where are we going to get that information from? You know, if somebody tells you, you've got to get this shot, what do you think people are going to do?
0: I, you're absolutely correct because it used to be, hey, my doctor said I need to do this and then COVID became a situation. Where- Really did what, what did my doctor tell you? or if we had there were cases where some doctors gave differing advice mm-hmm. so it's like can I if I can't trust my doctor who can I trust
1: correct and all of a sudden you watched the community ratings of how they trusted people change I'm not saying ours but nationally we saw those ratings drop
0: I mean you can get as bad as politicians but you get close right
1: oh <laughs> it it really was the most astounding thing that happened and you saw families yeah you know nurses would go home to to even their own households being divided it was just an interesting time and we watched people leave the profession yeah um we watched people die that we loved tough time
0: yeah, because, I mean, I remember, you know, we had conversations during that period, and then, you know, I spoke with some of the, you know, the nurses and people who were on those picket lines from time to time, and it was just, it was just very hard because my whole thing was, well, you know, if you're in a hospital, you know, you're going to wear a mask regardless, because a lot of times the doctors and the nurses have masks on, so I didn't see the right. big deal. But then you had it just where the mask became this, this symbol of, of, of division.
1: Oh, it was. And if you wore a mask,
0: you were either really, you know, if if you did or didn't wear a mask, depending on your point of view, there was there was an
1: issue. Absolutely, and it became, as you mentioned, that point of division, and so that's when staff started to say, "Well, I'm not going to do this," and you know, and we took religious exemptions. Say you believe in anything. Yeah. We took it, but still, some people for their own beliefs, we're not going to put anything down. And you've got to respect that. This is their moral character, their moral fiber. I'm not going to do that. Here's where I stand. And so we had to accept that. And many people were able to work from home. But when that was all said and done, and when it was time to come back in for the jobs we needed to come back in, we still had this mandate for vaccination. Mm Or an exemption and now look at everything being lifted Yeah. and it, it just flies in the face and it makes people say so what was this all about
0: no no doubt about it it was it was a situation as you said if we have something else like this it's going to be a challenge for everyone in healthcare, everyone in government, it's going to because nobody, everybody is going to be, I mean, skepticism is fine, but there's going to be people who are just, I mean, and if it's worse, then we're going to have a lot of people die. But if it's something that people try to blow out of proportion, then people are going, oh, here we go again.
1: Correct. You're going to have to have the science and the evidence better be very clear so that people can clearly understand it. I think that's going to, uh, that's going to be necessary. Because I think this was a lot of storytelling that was going on that made it very, very murky.
0: Yeah, very much so, very
1: much so. And people didn't know where to trust that information from coming. And then it put everybody in very difficult positions, you know.
0: When uh, now that you you, you uh, you're, like you said sitting here in your in your final days, first off, is your is your office cleaned out yet?
1: Not yet. I okay. still have a little bit more work to do. Kind okay, of, I've of. got till the thirtieth to get <laughs> it done. So I still have a little bit of time left. But I got I got a good. I'd say I'm seventy five percent there, and I'm, I'm almost there. And then I'm going to work remotely for a couple months to help Brian out. You, and, and
0: again, you, uh, you know, Brian's been around for a bit now, and now mm-hmm. he comes in. What what advice, what have you been, I mean, again, he's going to want to put his own stamp on, on, Absolutely. The, on the place. But what are you, What I mean, not to be pushy, but what kind of advice are you giving? What are you kind of saying, hey, do this, maybe don't do that? What, what are you looking at?
1: I, you know, I always, you know, as I want to tell Brian, be true to himself. Um, and I've tried to say, listen to the stakeholders in the community. Listen to what they want. Um, I think if you do that, you're not gonna go wrong. If you keep your eyes and your ears open, I think you'll do okay. This is a a really good community. It's a welcoming community. Um, It it can be a very critical community. They know what they want. Mm Um, And I don't know if it's part of the German heritage, but they will score you tough. (laughs) But they know what they want, and um, they want to see good care and good service. And I think that's what we have to be able to deliver to them.
0: If you do one thing over for the last 22 years, what would it be?
1: You know, Bob, um, our relationship with QMG is something that I regret. And, um, you know, I said that to my staff. Because I have a lot of respect for all those providers, and you know when they come into the hospital, there are doctors, yeah. there are friends, there are neighbors, and um, I just wish it could be different.
0: But it's not irreparable, is it?
1: It is not, because that's why I say when they come into the hospital, we work together, yeah. and I see it as a very um, a positive relationship for the community
0: again yeah I mean you know I have doctors there and I go to blessing yeah we all we all I think the general public when it comes to a point where you need some kind of care you need something taken care of I don't think the patient thinks about it and quite frankly I'm gonna assume that the doctor or the facility they don't care about it either your first priority is Let's get this patient taken care of.
1: And our doctors refer to their doctors and they refer to us mm-hmm. when it's appropriate for the patient. Yeah. I think the, the issue that I always look at is this community has a richness in medical care that is unbelievable. When you look at other parts of the country where people cannot find a doctor. You know, I had a, a friend call me from Boston who had relocated down to Florida and couldn't get a primary care doc she said, I can find a plastic surgeon almost anywhere, but I can't find a, uh-huh. uh, a primary care doc. And she said, it's just tough down here. I said, well, you're going there for six months in a day. It's going to be tough to find a doctor. Yeah. But we're very fortunate with what we have here in this community and the talent that's here. It's a, it's a really nice place.
0: <clears throat> is recruiting as tough as ever, though?
1: It is. It is. Um, You know, I think we all try and find the right person to come to this community because from time to time, both of us, whether it's us or QMG, we've had doctors come and we don't want them to leave because that bouncing ball is not good for the community. And you want to find somebody who's going to find this to be a good place to raise a family and to practice their career. And so we spend a lot of time trying to make sure we're matching up all their life requirements in coming into our communities. And that takes time. And you wanna make sure you're matching. But we've got a lot of young kids who go off to medical school and we wanna bring them back home. Sure, no question. And um, get settled here. But you know, we've got other issues. We can get them back here. We gotta find them a house.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things. I mean, that's the, the city and the county officials have both talked about that, the housing situation.
1: I right. mean, it's, it's a, a challenge for everybody to find a place to live. You know, whether it's a starter home or a very, very nice home. You know, you wanna get it um, something to be able to live in and even get one built will take yeah. time. You've gotta be on a wait list.
0: Yeah, I mean we've had, you know, friends who've come you know who've left the community and come back and tried to help them find houses and yeah, it's you know, we were just fortunate we had neighbors just down the street. We had the neighbors said, Hey, I'm moving, so we called and said, Hey, somebody's moving, it's not in the market, do you want it? Yes. I mean it's stuff like that is how people are finding it. So if you're coming in from out of town and don't know anybody, it's it is God, it's just it's really hard.
1: It is. And you know, and some people don't want to buy an old house to renovate. No. You know, they don't have the time or energy to be able to do that. And you've got to have a passion for that.
0: You know, and, I, and whether, like you said, whether it's a, a bigger size home that a doctor might want or a mid-size home or whatever. I mean, Steve Feldy and I don't live in the most posh neighborhood in Quincy, but it's a nice neighborhood that we live in. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, let's just say that's just, when, when we see a for sale sign go up, it's like that, that house isn't gonna stay around long. Yeah. It's, it's gone like that.
1: But when you look at everything else we have from the schools that we have, you know, the new schools we built to the arts, I mean, to the music that we have in this community. I mean, we've got a lot going on here. And then, you know, let alone cross over to the other side of the river, there is something going on sure. on either side of the river every weekend here. Yeah. I mean, you cannot be bored in this town. Um, I mean, you can if you want to be. You can be anonymous, or you can be out and about doing things.
0: So once you officially retire, you're not planning on being bored, then? You and your husband um, are gonna, like I said, get to know each other again.
1: We are, and you know, um, I'm gonna develop some hobbies. Okay. Um, he bought me a bicycle, but it's got a little electric kick to it. Oh, okay, yeah, that's So does. which is really got the fat nice. fat tires? It's got the fat oh, tires. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I mean, it's not fair when you're riding with somebody who doesn't have the electric mm-hmm. kick, right. because when you're going up a hill, I get to go right up real quick um but you know i'm gonna start playing golf again i haven't played golf in i don't know eight years or so and um and then i want to take up this game that i hear everybody playing pickleball yeah, yeah.
0: that's pretty popular I, you see it all over you i was as a matter of fact when i was uh, over on the other side of town i, John, I was drove by johnson park and people out there They're whacking out there the ball around. It. yeah so
1: i thought well i'm gonna go take some pickleball lessons and learn how to play it and there you go gonna do that and then we've got seven grandchildren now so i thought it might be nice to be Are able they all to spend... over they're all over you know so we get to travel and get to see them
0: well again thank you for your for your service to the community thank you for being a uh, uh, a great guest always and uh, come see us anytime you just it's just because you're not you know official anymore doesn't mean we wouldn't want to see you and uh, again, you guys have also been a good sponsor with us and that, we appreciate that greatly for what we've tried to bring to
1: the community here as well. So well, thank you, Bob. It's been great working with you and I am sure Blessing will be still out here working <laughs> with you as well. That sounds great. Thanks, All right, Marie. thank you. Have a great day. Hey,
0: thank you. That's Marie Kahn, the retiring CEO of Blessing Health. I'm Bob Goff, we'll talk to you next week.